Welcome to the International Family Church Podcast. We are so excited for our new mandate for 2020, the courage to grow. 2020 is going to be an incredible year, but as Pastor Jonathan Del Turco reminded us, it's going to take work to make growth happen. What are some areas you want to grow in this year? Whether you want to join a life group or be a part of a dream team, there are so many opportunities for growth here at International Family Church. For more info, go to intlfamilychurch.com. Coming up this February at IFC, we are introducing two brand new classes, our Fresh Start class and our Healing class. Fresh Start is a class for all those who are new in their walk with God. It will meet every Sunday during the 10 a.m. service, and our Healing class will meet during the 11.30 service. Both classes will be meeting in the Fresh Start room on the first floor. What better opportunity to grow in your walk with God than in a life group? Our Spring Life Group launch is coming up on Sunday, February 23rd. This will be an excellent opportunity to find the life group that is perfect for you. You'll also get to meet leaders for each life group as well. For more info, check out these and many more opportunities at intlfamilychurch.com. Now here is part two of The Courage to Grow. You're in for a real treat today. Our pastors are, are on uh, assignment today over at Connect Community Church in Ashland, Mass., which is one of our sister churches. And so from time to time, they're out ministering and pastoring pastors and blessing other people. Don't you love our pastors? I love that they're goers and that they're willing to, to go and do things. But one of the things that we love about IFC is God has blessed us with such tremendous gifts in this house, in this body. And this morning, uh, you're in for a real treat. We've got not only a great communicator, but I believe that Jason is um, not just a great communicator because there's a lot of people that give talks. And they give, oh, we're going to give a talk today. He's not going to give a talk today. He's going to preach under the anointing that's upon his life. I really, I mean this with all my heart. If you're a, if you're a parent, um, he's pastoring your students. And you should give him a kiss on the mouth after service because he's partnered, maybe not on the mouth, but you should let him know how, how well him and his team are doing. Jason is a phenomenal leader. I, I mean this with all my heart. He's a, he's a voice and a mouthpiece for his generation. I believe you're going to be blessed. Open your hearts, open your mind. I'm asking, get on your feet. Give it up for our student and young adult director, Jason Ferreira. Have fun, man. Good afternoon, beautiful people. You may be seated. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited always that our pastor gives me an opportunity to speak. I am definitely humbled uh, for him trusting the next generation. He doesn't just simply say that. Um, he actually does that in investing um, in young leaders like as myself. So he is the world's best boss uh, in my eyes. Um, he is my spiritual father, a mentor to me, um, and somebody definitely I look up to. And we are so blessed to have Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Verna as our pastor. So before... Before we get started, let's just take a few seconds and just pray over them and kind of just pray over this message today before we kick off. 
Lord, we thank you uh, for this time that you have given us here at your house, Father. And right now, uh, we just pray over our pastor as he ministers over at Connect Church. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you speak through him, and we know that he is a vessel upon your hands. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to allow him to see things as you see them as he is ministering. Allow him, allow him for his, to have his ears wide open to see what you want exactly to speak, any tweaks that he has to make into his message, Father. And just we pray that his heart be just simply in tune with you, Holy Spirit, as he is led by you, as he speaks, oh, Father, to minister at people's heart, Father. We pray that every seed that is sown, Father, by his words and his messages, oh, Father, let it fall upon good ground. Father, let people's lives be transformed. Let people's lives be healed, Father, and let souls be saved for your glory and honor. So we just ask for you to bless him at that at this time, Lord. And even today here, Father, as I speak your word, let me be a vessel of upon your hands. Father, I pray for all those who came here looking for an answer, looking to hear from you. Father, I pray that you give them exactly what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear in order to edify their lives and to build up their faith, Father. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. And we have are in this series called The Courage to Grow. This is going to be part two. If you missed part one, I'm just going to say you got to go back and watch it. It was so good. And we're not going to spend that much time this morning, but Pastor was talking about wisdom and how we can grow from that and how we can learn from the Bible through our, the mentors and the characters in the Bible. So definitely, y'all, it's 30 minutes. Come on. Netflix show is about 30 minutes. So right before you start your binge watching session on a Friday night, um, just watch the message real quick and then continue on. Amen. So part two today, we're going to be talking about living beyond your emotions and your feelings. It's about to get emotional in here today, guys. So the big takeaway, one thing I want you guys to take away or to remember from this message is going to be this. In order for us to live beyond our emotions and feelings, we have to let God's word be the antihistamine to our emotional allergic reaction. How many of you know that sometimes we have an allergic emotional reaction, right? We're, we're nice and peaceful until somebody pushes the wrong button and then it's just like, poof, we're completely a different person. And then when we're in it yelling, screaming at the other person, like you're catching yourself and it's like, man, it's too late. I'm already yelling at them. And it's like, should I stop? Should I not? Right? So having allergic emotional reactions. And when we talk about emotions, what do we mean? Emotions, is a natural, instructive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. And yesterday, we have a family day uh, once a week, and yesterday was our family day. And we decided to go out to the mall to Cheesecake Factory, which I think is God's restaurant, y'all. You see how thick that book is? It's like the Word of God. You open it up, and every single time something new pops out at you, it's like, what? They have this here? So I'm just saying we went to Cheesecake Factory, and this was around 3.30. Uh, mind you, the last time we ate was probably around 10 a.m., Come on. Some of you guys know where I'm headed with this story. So me and my wife and my three-year-old son, Xander, we went to the mall. And you know when you get to Cheesecake Factory on a Saturday? It's always a long wait time. But I don't know why. We just decide to wait. We take the pager and it's like, let's walk around the mall. Why not? So we're walking around the mall. I see that my son 
It's either it's because he's tired, he's hungry, he starts to get a little bit anxious, you know, he, he's an angel, he kisses you, he hugs you, but sometimes, you know, his temper starts to just draw, go a little bit thin, he starts to little, a little bit anxious, and then I noticed that my wife, the lovely wife that she is, she is so amazing, her patience started to wear just a little bit thin. You know, we're walking around stores. She's getting a little bit thin. She, she's just walking around. She doesn't want to buy anything. She doesn't want to go to different stores. And then she starts to get just a little bit thin. You know, you know when you get hungry and then you have the combination with anger, well, there's this word for it called hangry, okay? So my wife and my child were both hangry. And I was just like, Lord, please help me. My son is throwing a tantrum because he doesn't want to go down the stairs and I don't want to and I I don't want to. So we finally get to the restaurant and we sit down and, you know, they give these like little bread baskets, like bread manna from heaven, that 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 brown cover bread with the, the butter. Come on, somebody. You just like eat butter and bread. It's just like, mm, Lord. And my wife and my child devoured that baskets by themselves. I was just like, Lord, please help them. And then we ordered some nachos and they were both just chomping down on the nachos. And then it just seemed like the peace of the Lord just came upon them. Just, just peace. And they were smiling and they were happy. And, 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 God, and we just had such a great time as a family. But we all get emotional sometimes. Whether we want to or not, we have these allergic, emotional allergic reactions. And the thing about emotions is the devil is never going to tempt us when we're at our highest and best. He's always going to tempt us when we're slipping, when we're not paying attention, when we're a little bit hungry, when we're inside our minds. And I believe that he tempts us in three different areas to create three different circumstances to cause us to have an allergic reaction. And we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, y'all. Come on, y'all, I struggle. One day is just like, Lord, how did you do it? Like, I don't even know. And Jesus was fasting for 40 days, and he was in the desert by himself. And the devil came at an opportune time when probably his energy was low, and he kind of wanted to tempt Jesus. And the first time it says that he tempted Jesus, it says then the tempter came to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And I think an area where the enemy tries to tempt us in our circumstance to cause an allergic, emotional allergic reaction is in our performance because we attach ourselves in what we do a lot of the times. So the devil was tempting Jesus in his performance. As we analyze this, Jesus was about 30 years old. He hadn't done anything, no miracles up to date. So he was dormant. So where is the devil going to tempt him? In his performance. It's like, well, 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 Jesus, if you really are the son of God, why don't you just, just do a miracle? Just, just, I know you're hungry, like these stones right here, turn them. turn them, turn the stones into bread. And I believe the enemy tries to tempt us when we are attaching what we do to who we are. And the enemy tries to creep up on us to cause an allergic reaction because a lot of us feel like we don't do enough. 
And then our self-worth is attached to not doing enough. And then our mind starts to play tricks on us, thinking that, oh, if I don't pray, like, God is not going to move. Like, I, we act like we need to gain God's love when God's love is given to us freely in an unconditional way. So we think that, oh, if I do this, if I serve this much, if I, if I go out and if I pray this much, that I'm going to earn God's love, that I'm going to be like the top heavenly performer. But guess what? What does the Bible say even about performance? that the last will become the first. Come on, somebody. So if you think that your performance depends on, oh, oh I'm going to get closer to God if I pray more. Like, if I don't do this, then everything's going to fall apart. That's not true because that's not grace and mercy. That's based on performance. So the devil tries to tempt us whenever we feel like we're not doing enough, whenever we feel unqualified and inadequate, then we think that we're not worthy of it. So we think of ourselves lowly because our performance is we attach it to what we do and who we are, but God never intended it to be that way. He intended you to be free as his child, to live a free life. So don't put the yoke or the chains on yourself because God doesn't want it there and he never placed it there. He did it. So don't attach who you are to your performance. And the devil will try to tempt you in that area. For all you achievers out there, I see you with your checklist to your checklist, to your planning to the plans. And you have all the directions written out. You know what time your family's supposed to get to the airport. You know what, how much time it's going to take for you to go through the airport security. You know how much time, it's gonna, how much money you're going to spend at the airport. You're timing everything. And yet if you fail one of those, you feel like I'm the worst parent ever, right? The performance level. Don't attach who you are to your performance because a lot of us are dying for the wrong things and for the wrong reasons because what God intended us to do when the Bible says to take up your cross and follow me he's not talking about not have joy like I know some of us we take ourselves way too much seriously like everything's spiritual like you can't do anything I can't I can't listen to that no brother Jason I'm holy I can't like I can't even dance because I know some I'm gonna challenge your theology right now and some of y'all like brother Jason I can't dance because no 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 I can't dance because that's a sin no 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 bumping and grinding may be a sin but nothing in the Bible says I know don't worry y'all Pastor Jonathan will be back next week but the Bible never says said that we can't dance for joy and happiness. I have praise parties and dance parties in our house, and I jump around with my son. So it's okay to have joy. What the Bible is saying that we should die to is the defensiveness. When we know we're wrong, but yet still in our minds, we try to defend and justify our actions. You know what's supposed to die? Our judgment towards other people. That's what it means to kill yourself. So whenever you see somebody, you look up and down, be like, I know who they are. We shouldn't trust them. Look how they act. Look how they talk. It's all about love. So our judgment should be crucified and that portion should die. But love and passion and compassionate towards uh, being compassionate toward the people should not die and laugh a little bit. It does good. Don't take yourself so seriously and that's where the enemy would try to tempt you in that come on somebody so Matthew the next time that the devil tempts him is and said to him if you're really God's son jump and the angels will catch you and where the Bible will try to get you is in your or where the devil would try to get you is in your popularity and I am what others think I am what others think how many of you have ever struggled 
with actually revealing your true self because you have become, you put a camouflage or a mask and you don't act like who you, re- who you really are. And you try to be something that you think people need. And I'm here to tell you that God needs, people need who you really are. People need you for your personal uniqueness because the Bible says that we're wonderfully and fearfully made by the Father. So your personality, the way you are, quirky, weird, awkward at different moments, God loves you because that's exactly how he created you to be. So we don't have to seek a sense of like, I want to be popular. And a lot of the times what we do With that, we put a sense of shame and disgust in who we really are, and we try to cover up our shame and our weakness and our emotions, and we come up in church and act like everything's good, everything's all right. When people ask you, it's like, Brother Jason, everything is fine, everything is awesome, but I know that deep down inside of you, for some of you, you're struggling with who you really are, and you're struggling with depression and sadness, you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, but you're acting like on the outside, like everything's okay. I know, and you know, and the Holy Spirit knows that not everything's okay, but guess what? It's okay not to be okay sometimes. It doesn't depend on, uh, it doesn't matter that you feel that way, but you can't dwell in that emotion. So you can't just simply dwell in your sadness, in your depression, in your suicidal thoughts, but yet you should get out of it. You should verbalize it and get out of it. So don't think that, oh, if I say this, that people will judge my past. If people know my history, they would change the way that they act. No, if they're true, God-fearing, loving Christians, they're not going to judge you. They're just going to love on you and be like, wow, look how amazing. How much did God bring you through up to this point? And look at you now, because the enemy wants to tempt you to be like, they ain't going to like you. If they find out that you do that, they ain't going to like you. So take that shame off of you. Take that emotional allergic reaction and put some antihistamine and take it and know that God loves you exactly the way you are and you no longer have to carry that shame so popularity I am what others think so the last portion that the devil tempts Jesus it comes and says and the third time the accuser lifted Jesus up and a very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendors that goes with it and where the enemy will try to tempt us is the possession that I am what I have. I am what I have. And uh, uh, some of you automatically are thinking, Brother Jason, I I don't struggle with that. Like, I got everything I need because God is my supplier. But what happens, all right, I'm not, if you have this car, like, I ain't judging you. I'm just saying, I'm just the confessions of Jason today, okay? Like, when I go into people's car and you sit down and your seat is able to heat up and we just came outside from the cold, and it's like, ooh, your seat heats up. This is nice and warm and cozy. Automatically, my mind starts to compare of, to, together with what I have and the vehicle that I have because I feel some of y'all struggle out there. Sometimes we get in our car and we're just praying that, Lord, let the heater work a little bit faster today because it's being mad cold, Lord. Heat up, Lord, right? So our mind starts to pay trick on us. Maybe you're saying that you're not challenged, but what happens when you've been praying for a baby and then your best friend or your friend becomes pregnant and yet you're not pregnant and you've been trying for months and praying and confessing the word of God for months. Well, how, what does your mind respond? 
an emotional allergic reaction. You puffs up and thinking, maybe God doesn't want to give it, give us a baby. And that sense of hopelessness and you puff up in your allergic reaction and you kind of stay and you dwell there. It's the reality. We attach our self-worth to our possessions. It's important that we don't dwell in it though. And a lot of us, we try to, to cover up our brokenness and we try to cover up our true feelings. But if we go back in the same train of thought as Pastor Jonathan was ministering last week and talking about our spiritual mentors or the coaches that we find in the Bible, Moses, y'all, that brother had a temper, okay? He wasn't the nicest pacifist guy like peace. No, the brother had a temper. John, Jonah was a racist. He didn't want to go to a town. He much rather 120 people, thousand die than he actually follow what God was saying. But he ended up doing it because God was just like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm going to talk to them and you need to do this. Jacob was a liar. John Mark deserted Paul, one of probably the, the greatest kind of mentors that we have from the New Testament. John Mark feared what was going on, and he just straight out bounced. Uh, um, Elijah burned out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Yes, the Jeremiah, the prophet, he, was, he feared so much being rejected and got rejected so, much time, so many times that it got in his mind where even in the Bible it says that he even questioned why was I even born? I should have just died in my mother's room. And a lot of us in this room, or maybe some of us in this room, may be thinking exactly that same train of thought, whether we want to admit it or not. You're questioning yourself, thinking, why was I even born? Do I even have a purpose in my life? Because everything I do seems to go wrong. But I'm here to tell you that you do have a purpose in your life, that God does have a plan for you. And we go to Timothy, a young leader in the New Testament, studying under Paul, Paul being his mentor. And all of a sudden, it says, Paul says in the letter to Timothy that, you know what, don't just drink water. You should drink a little bit of wine because I know your stomach gets upset a lot. But Timothy had ulcers, probably caused from anxiety and the pressure that he was feeling and carrying God's word and delivering God's message and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. He was anxious. But the beauty about all of this is that they were emotional. They had an emotional allergic reaction, but yet they did not dwell in it. And they took the antihistamine, which was the word of God, and they fulfilled those purpose. So what we're saying today, it's okay to feel. It's not okay to dwell. And then lastly, but not our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, was also emotional. Y'all, Jesus was emotional. And not only when he flipped the table, everybody uses, yeah, Jesus flipped the table. He was angry. But he was angry and in other instances in the Bible. And we see that Jesus got angry in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, that he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. Jesus got angry, y'all. Guess what? Jesus was emotional, yet he was God. He was still man. Jesus got sad. And not only when his friend Lazarus passed away, but in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 and 37, it says this. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to show grief and distress of mind. And was deeply depressed. Then he said to them, My soul is very sad and deeply grieved 
so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and keep awake and keep watch with me. Say what? Jesus verbalizing his emotions to close friends. A lot of you have been compressing and compressing and compressing your emotions because you feel like church is not a safe place to verbalize what you're feeling because constantly you just hear, speak the word of God, speak the word of God. So you keep on shoving it down and you never actually bring it up to see what is happening. I'm here to tell you it's okay to verbalize what you're saying. It's okay but we ain't going to dwell on it because we're going to take a dose of God's medicine that has antihistamine. And then we're going to kind of slowly heal from our allergic emotional reaction, which brings us to our main story today. There's a story about Esau and Jacob, which some of you, if you've been around a church long enough, you probably heard about Jacob and Esau. And back then, the oldest son, which was Esau, would get everything, an inheritance coming from the father, which it was Isaac. And I imagine Esau, if you will, uh, take a step into Jason's mind. Esau was like a man of the woods. Like he probably was hiking. Okay. If he had, if he lived today, he probably had a tool shed. He probably had a snowblower, like a lawnmower, a table saw. Like he had all the Dewalt drills and things like that. Like he had a solution to everything. He probably had some hunting rifles in the back. I know I, I may offend some of y'all, but he probably had some hunting rifles in his house and he, he, he killed animals. Like he was a man's man. Jacob, mama's boy, youngest son, I connect with him. I know he was probably looking outside and being like, it's too hot. But if they lived in New England today, Jacob would probably be like, why do I want to go out in the snow, in the cold and snowboard? That's Esau's thing. I much rather stay here with my mom and read some books, okay? So this kind of sets up the story. So one day Esau goes out and he's hunting. And he's been plowing snow the whole day, you know, cleaning snow, cleaning the yard, kind of doing man's job, man's work. And then Jacob is home and Jacob has some Chick-fil-A on the table. And then Esau, come on, y'all. And then Esau came in and he said, yo, Jacob, man, come on, hook a brother up, man. Like, let me get some Chick-fil-A. Let me get some of those fries. And then Jacob, as a young person or as the, the youngest sibling, he's like, what you want for it? I mean, are we going to exchange something? And he's like, I don't know, man. And then Jacob was like, give me your birthright. And Esau's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. So he just simply takes that and exchanges his birthright without actually realizing what he was doing. And how many of us have sacrificed different things based on our emotions without actually processing to think about the consequences that would come from that emotional state at that specific time? So he exchanged that. Fast forward. Isaac is ready to go. Jacob ends up receiving the blessing and the birthright, inheriting everything from his father. So Esau came up to Isaac and said, no, 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 you blessed the wrong person. And then Isaac was like, what do you, I I can't take it back. I already blessed your brother. It's no longer yours. And then boom, Esau has an emotional allergic reaction. And we find ourselves here in Genesis 27. And it says this, that you Isaac saying to Esau, you will live by your sword. You will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will tear away his harness from your neck. 
In other translations, I actually say that you will break a, the yoke on your neck away from you. What I want to tell you today is maybe some of us are wearing emotional yokes and God is saying, all you have to do is simply tear it off yourself. What Esau did, he has an emotional allergic reaction of anger. Obviously, anger, pride, self-entitlement, boom, he puffed up. But instead of taking the antihistamine, taking a step back, he just dries and dwells in that emotion of anger. What do you want to do? He's like, I'm going to kill Jacob. Jacob has to run away, and all of a sudden, Esau is left with a life of anger. But what happens to Esau? What happens to Esau? What happens to us? If you want to discover what's causing an allergic reaction, you have to go to a doctor. And they're going to kind of tell you, oh, you're allergic to A, B, C, and D. So you should avoid A, B, C, and D. And a lot of us are not diagnosing ourselves because we much rather dwell and live on emotions because we think we deserve to, to and we, we think we deserve to get something and we are entitled to get something. And God is saying, why are you trying to fight your own battles? Just give it up to me and you'll receive what you're looking for. But instead of allowing God to fight our own battles, we try to fight it ourselves and then we stay puffed up and we don't take the antihistamine, which is the word of God. So I feel a lot of us are being driven by our emotions because what does a yoke do? The yoke kind of sits on you and it drives you and it guides you in different directions because there's somebody behind you telling you you're going to go here and you're going to go there and you can't change your direction because you're trapped within that yoke and maybe your feelings of emotions have been telling you different lies and stories and you've been driving and doing things based on your emotions from time to time and I'm here to tell you today that God is calling you to break that yoke off your neck because you've been praying for a breakthrough and God is saying all you have to do is take the antihistamine and I will heal you from your emotional allergic reaction because a lot of us don't want to face the fact that sometimes we're wrong. We're not always right. Sometimes, yeah, what was done to you was wrong, but it doesn't mean you dwell on that emotion. It means that you forgive because if not, you're never going to break that yoke off your neck. So my question to you is, what do you need to break off your neck? And you're asking, Jason, how do I take this antihistamine, which is the word of God? I'll share a little bit of my, my, sto my story. So when I got married, I got out of the Marine Corps. Six months later, I got married. So I thought in my mind, everything's okay. But everything wasn't really okay because I hadn't had an emotional allergic reaction yet. So whenever I got married, being kind of close quarters with somebody, eventually something's going to happen and poof, and it's going to cause an allergic emotional reaction. That's exactly what happened. And mine was anger. And all of a sudden, I was angry at my wife all the time, and I didn't know why. But yet, I'd never addressed it with the Word of God. So there's this, uh, we used to have a Bible school called Vi Vi uh, Victory Bible Training Center here at the church, and me and my wife started to attend it. And I started to learn about how to use the Word of God and how to renew my mind by the Word of God. And all of a sudden, I started to renew my mind of the Word of God, and I realized that I had the yoke of anger on me because of different circumstances that had happened in my life, and I was being driven by my mood or my emotions, and I had that yoke on me until I discovered 
And I needed to break that yoke. And my wife started to put verses all over our house about anger, about having the peace of the Lord. And all of a sudden, boom, that yoke broke off me. Was it immediate? Can I tell you a secret? It wasn't immediate. Sometimes for us to come off of our allergic, re- our emotional allergic reaction, it's going to take some time, y'all. And for me, it was the word of God. And I attached my faith to the word of God, knowing that I'm praying from a standpoint of victory, but yet not a standpoint of defeat. And I had to walk out my healing because some healing are instant and some it's going to take some time and then even on top of that I had to go and I had to see a counselor where he coached me in different areas where I would puff up and he kind of give me some guidelines and saying hey from a, 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 a the professional standpoint you can't do these things or whenever this occurs just be very aware that it may cause an allergic reaction so you may want to take some antihistamine or medication and it's in a spiritual realm before you get in these situations because you're gonna puff up if you're not if you if you're if you're not careful with it. So I went to a counselor. I saw a counselor a few times, but that allowed me that together with the word of God and renewing my the renewing my mind, attaching my faith, that allowed me to get healing from post-traumatic stress disorder. So whatever you're struggling with, I don't know if it's depression, suicidal thoughts. Yes, it is the word of God, but sometimes y'all, you have the word of God, but God will send different things and different resources, whether it be through a friend, whether it be through a, a doctor, whether it be seeing a counselor, he will bring different things to you and resource to you so you can walk out your healing. So I'm sorry if anybody at church ever judged you for seeing a counselor or a therapist. I'm so sorry that if you ever experienced that because I've walked the I've walked the line and I walked your pathway out and I can say that there is healing at the end of it. But our true source doesn't come from our counselor. That our true healing comes from the word of God. Yes, I saw a counselor, but he didn't heal me. I know that God healed me and my faith upon God's word and walking out the promises of God, that is what healed me. So if you are in a therapy session, if you are seeing a counselor, just know that it's okay not to be okay and we're not judging you. We're just happy and excited to see your full and complete healing. And that's exactly the way of life that God intended us to live. So when Esau... The Bible says at the end that Esau, in chapter uh, Genesis 33, it said that Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and hugged his neck and kissed him, and they wept for joy. At that moment, Esau broke the yoke off of his neck of anger, and he accepted his brother back. It's going to take some time, but I am challenging you to break the yoke off of your neck. And I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, even as we speak right now, even as I speak, I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to you those areas where you have allergic emotional reactions. But we have to embrace, embrace our emotions and say, this is what I'm feeling. I feel fear because I feel unqualified. I feel shame because if people knew my past, they would judge me. Jason, I've been in this church for so long now. What if I open up? People are going to see me differently. Man, i much rather people see you differently and you be healed and live a free life rather than you living this fake life, a sense of, of, of false peace that you have. And when you go home, you're crying yourself out at night and you're wondering, when am I ever going to be the true me that God intended me to be? So I'm here to challenge you. You need to take a step of faith and you need to start verbalizing that sense of shame that you have in that perfect place. Maybe you don't have a lot of friends and it's okay. 
Maybe you need to get yourself into a life group whenever life group sessions start and you need to start fessing up and trusting people, being vulnerable to your shame, to your past, so you can finally get freedom and healing. Because if you never address your emotional allergic reaction with the true antihistamine, which is from the word of God, you're never going to get healing. So what, do you, what yoke do you need to break in your life? And I got some tips, tips for growth. The first one is to slow down. We need to slow down, right? If you ever heard about the Enneagram, it's a personality test. Um, my personality is I'm a challenger. When I'm unhealthy, <clears throat> when I'm hangry, sometimes if you come to me and tell me to do something, you need to tell me facts and really believe what you, you're telling me to do, because if not, I got 10 other facts in my pocket to tell you why I shouldn't, I shouldn't do what you're telling me. I'm just being real, y'all. We're all broke. We're all making progress. But if I, when I slow down, I'm able to hear what you're saying. Because if I don't slow down, I puff up, and then I'm like, everybody's out to get me. The world's out to get me. They want me to fail. I'm going to prove them wrong. And it's like, bro, nobody's fighting you. People are cheering on for you. And I'm here to tell you today, we are for you and we are not against you. Ain't nobody praying for your failure. We are only praying for your success. We are praying for your family to be healed, for your crazy kids to be saved. We are praying for your marriage. I love your kids, though. And a tip that Pastor Jonathan gave me during pre-counseling is gold. I mean, we've been married almost seven years now. This is gold. He said this, use this line. You said this. I heard this. Okay. Don't judge me. So when my wife said, wash the dishes, my other, some of y'all laughing. I heard that before, brother Jason. Yes. Speak the truth. When she said, wash the dishes, what I heard is you're messy. You don't do anything around the house. You just leave socks and dishes everywhere and you don't help. That is what my mind heard my, uh, in my allergic reaction state. And then if I slow down, I said, hey, lovey, I know you said this, but I heard this. Is this what you really mean? And she's like, no, I just meant wash the dishes, please. And that's it. Thank you for all you do. So if we slow down, we're able not to puff up. So in the Bible, it says in Philippians chapter four, it says this, that so keep your thoughts continually fixed in all that is authentic and real and honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Is it a good thought? My wife doesn't like me. Nope, push it out. Be driven by the word of God. Be driven by faith and not your feelings and emotions. The second one is anchoring in God's love. Anchor yourself in God's love. Because a lot of us think that if we mess up, that God's not going to love us. That if we mess up, that, that God is going to withhold something from us. That is not what a loving father does. And maybe a lot of you have an allergic reaction when it comes to God because your parents didn't love you. You never heard from your parents, I love you and I'm so proud of you. So you've been living your life of all these emotional allergic reactions because you never heard that from your earthly father. But let me tell you something. That's not how God operates. Our God operates in an unconditional love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear 
out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. And I love this next portion. It is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. So if you still fear and you have an allergic reaction to fear, I'm here to tell you that you may not yet have experienced God's full, complete, and full love for your own personal life. So if you keep operating in fear, you're never going to experience God's true love. So I'm here to tell you today, anchor yourself in God's love and see what he can do as you speak his word and know that the Father loves you so much as his own child. But yet we are not yet servants anymore, but we are called God's children. And then the third one is to breaking free from illusions because our minds play tricks on us. We filter everything through our emotional allergic reaction. We think people don't love us. We, pe- we think that we wear this sense of shame and we think, oh no, now that I've, I've fessed up to them, I've told them my sin, now everybody knows my sin. And people are looking at you and you think, oh, they know my sin. They know my sin. They know my sin. And then you start to close up in a sense of shame. But I'm here to tell you, if they're true, loving, God-believer, followers of Jesus Christ, they'll look at you with a sense of love and not a sense of judgment. And that's a lie of the enemy if you're thinking people are judging you. No, they're not. They're not. And the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, It says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will and for you to live a beautiful life, a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's what he wants. We have to renew our minds. We have to break free from the false illusions that the enemy is trying to creep up and tell us. Break away from them. Break away from them. You can't have peace. You can't have love. Take that shame off of you. You got to just fess up and able to take the antihistamine, which is the word of God. And then as you are renewing your mind through God's promises, you're able to experience that satisfying life. And as we wrap up, I have five points for you where I'm going to challenge you. And in these five points, if you get anything out of this message, I know I was a little bit crazy. If you get anything out of these message, this message, I would love to challenge you with these five points. Because you may come up to me and say, that was a great message, but the measure of whether this message was great or not is going to be at the end of the year if you look behind and you see that you've grown emotionally this year, that you had the courage to grow emotionally. The first one is to risk in your personal life, to take a risk in your personal life. What fear is holding you back? The second one is to risk, take a risk in your marriage. Maybe Men, we have this thing of where women are emotional. They, they just verbalize it. Men, what do we do? We just close out. We just don't say anything. Everything's fine. We give our wife the, fi- the silent treatment. I would challenge you, have the courage to grow this year emotionally and actually express to your wife what you're feeling. If you feel anger, even before you start, before you yell at her, come on, take a step back and be like, listen, I feel a little bit anger right now because I feel like I'm unheard. So can you please at least affirm what I'm saying or just make uh, repeat what I'm saying so I know that you heard me? The third one is to risk 
take a risk in your children to grow emotionally because a lot of the kids, instead of reacting and yelling at them and trying to correct their behavior, why don't you take a second and use the you said this, I heard this because your kids have a difficult time verbalizing what's going on inside. And as parents, sometimes we, we give them the wrong thing and do the wrong thing because we try to correct them and because we think that we need to address the behavior and really our kids are trying to say how they feel. And as parents, we have to have love and patience enough to actually take the time and sit down and say, tell me how you really feel. The fourth one is take a risk with your friends. A lot of you have trust issues, but I challenge you to trust. Trust people. Join a life group. Open up. Say, hey, I have debt. I have a ton of credit cards. Hey, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, I self-harm. Hey, I have a porn addiction. Have the courage to grow emotionally so you can address that allergic reaction with the word of God. And the last one is to take a risk with your career. For all my immigrants and English, English is not your first language. Take the shame off of you. Take the shame off of you and apply for that job that you want. Apply for that promotion that you want. Don't let shame hold you back. You speak English well. Start speaking it out. Speak the word of God because you got the, God's wisdom. All you need is in him and his wisdom. And he's going to give you special insight. So take the shame off of you and apply for that job. Maybe you've been in the job you are and you're like, there's no way out. I'm just going to be stuck here. There's no promotion or anything. Take an extra step of faith and actually apply for a different job. Start going back to school. Don't give up because God has something better for you. So take that shame and that fear off of you. I invite you to please stand at this time. And everybody with their eyes closed. And this is a moment between you and God, and there's no judgment. We're talking about being driven by the word of God, taking the antihistamine, which is the word of God, attaching it to your faith. But maybe the first step for you is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in here today. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the 10th time. But I want to encourage you. It's time to break your yoke. And it starts with accepting Jesus into your life. You no longer have to fight your battles as we were singing today. Jesus will fight your battle. He is the defender of your faith. So if that's you today and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, I invite you to, to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. This is a you and God moment. I invite you just simply to raise your hand, signaling, symbolizing they're accepting Jesus into your heart. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. This is your freedom. I don't care if it's the 10th time that you accepted Jesus. It's okay. And we want to say, welcome home. Amen, I see you. Welcome home. Is there anybody else? Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. That's it. Freedom is here. Freedom is here for you. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. Amen, I see you. just simply a first step is there anybody else amen I see you as a family let's all repeat this prayer after me father thank you for loving me so much thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me Jesus 
Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for giving me forgiveness. And thank you for erasing my past. And I believe I'm a new being in you. Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior of my life. And I, I surrender my life to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.